the dot connecting that happens when you pull all of those together and you see the visual unfold on the canvas or the story start to be told. And it creates a really strong foundation for helping determine what we focus on. That's what caused me to gravitate so much toward the Strengths Finder. There's almost this flavor of the month club that can sometimes be created, whether it's an assessment tool or a particular book. And you you just learn there are basics that work. If you go into the Gallup space, you learn that we're not one of 16. We're not one of four. We're not one of nine. We are one in 74 trillion when you look at the population of 34 strengths. Well, there are only about 8 billion people on the planet. We are uniquely and wonderfully made. In a corporate world, where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work. The employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers, themselves, and each other. Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio. I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t-shirt size company from small 16 employees to extra large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not so great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun at all the crazy shit that happens in corporate America. Hi, I'm Joe Deshawn, and welcome to The Corporate Couch with Jeff Palaccio. Today, Jeff is interviewing Teresa Carey. Teresa has more than 25 years' experience as a professional leadership coach and facilitator. Prior to launching Performance Point Incorporated, she held positions for the world's second-largest document technology company in sales, professional management, and sales leadership. She was also instrumental in helping take two other companies from startup to rapid growth. As a coach and strategist, Teresa has led individual and organizational change in diverse sectors, including healthcare, manufacturing and distribution, financial, legal, and technology. Over the span of her career, Teresa has assisted over 50,000 professionals in improved performance. She is a mom, wife, triathlete, and author of the book, The Attractive Trap. You can find out more about Teresa by visiting her website at performancepoint.com and you spell performance point with an E on the end. Let's listen as Jeff talks to Teresa. Teresa, welcome to the corporate couch today. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh my God. I this feel is, like we go way back. We do go way back. I, I was thinking about the or uh, when we met, Debbie Pratt, a longtime friend, uh, had gone through mm -hmm. uh, f the fast track program at Kaufman, where you were a consultant uh, for entrepreneurs, and uh, she introduced us, and we kind of uh, over the years. That was 2008, and um, mm -hmm. where I use your coaching services, and you're phenomenal. I think of you, and you're like the. Uh, consummate uh, professional you're like the and people I've interviewed to have said the same thing you're just you're just one of those people that really you just after a conversation with you about you know your areas of expertise and you're just so good at what you do so that's uh, thank you for coming on 
Oh, it's my, it's such a joy to be here. And please know I don't take that compliment lightly. I really treasure that and it means a lot. So thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to start today. Uh, absolutely. In our time together. Yeah, we're recording here on Monday, uh, March the uh, 13th, 2023. Um, yeah, and then you introduced me to actually some of the guests I just had on the podcast. You introduced me to mm-hmm. Alana Mueller, and then mm-hmm. Alana introduced me to Dr. Michelle Robin, and they, 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 they were uh, recent guests and uh, have been uh, put out there on the uh, corporate couch episode list. So that thank you for all that. Uh, it's just, it's the... It comes up continually in my conversations with the guests. It's the magic of connection and um, introducing mm-hmm. people that should know each other so they can help each other. And uh, it's, it's, it is magical. So it uh, is. Everything really comes full circle, doesn't it? 100%. Some way. Yeah. Exactly. So I start off every episode with the uh, same two questions. The first one is we've now been almost three years uh, into the pandemic. Um, and we've all learned how to do Zoom, um, been in Zoom meetings a lot, obviously, in the last three years. What is the craziest uh, attire you've ever seen on a professional Zoom call or lack of attire? I wouldn't say it's attire. One of the funniest episodes, however, was a client who was home one day. Her children were home from school. You know, we were all just trying to figure out how to manage our own situations. And her son was in his underoos or I I don't know. That's what they were called when I was raising children. And he climbed up on her shoulders and sat on her shoulders the entire Zoom meeting while we, I was coaching her and her ability to maintain her composure to this day is so impressive. Well, that's a, that's a first for the corporate couch. There's not been one under room mess um, uh, <laughs> mentioned. So that's good. Thank you for that. Uh, four-year-old. four-year-old. Yeah, record breaking. Yeah. yeah four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, I may have under on right now, but we can't really tell because I'm yeah, below the screen here or, um, anyhow, um, so, uh, you know, I like getting into kind of people's uh, background growing up as kids. So what mm-hmm. did you have any idea what you wanted to be when you when you were going to be an adult? Mm-hmm. That's a great question for a couple of reasons. First of all, I grew up working on both grandparents farms. And so from the time I was about six years old, and I guess we call that child labor today, but I was paid, and it was a great way to develop a strong work ethic within me at a very young age. So I worked on those farms, and ultimately, my father bought my great-grandmother's farm, and my brother and I farmed uh, a couple, three summers. That's how we put ourselves through undergraduate school and bought our first cars. And so when my friends were at Speedy Chef on summer evenings having fun, often I was on the farm working. So I knew I didn't want to be in farming. (laughs) You know, we often say what you don't want to do is just as important as what you figure out you do want to do. So I knew it wasn't farming. I knew I wanted to get a great education and uh, do something that would be extremely fulfilling 
1994, actually about the time I launched Performance Point, my parents were moving from my childhood home and I was helping them clean out the attic. One of the items was my personal box from school with a lot of school projects. And I happened upon a paper from fourth grade, if you can believe that. And it said, I want to help others become great. And today my personal mission is liberating greatness. So something within me as a fourth grader knew that I wanted to impact others and their lives. And today it's about impacting their leadership and their businesses. So I just, I always go back to that story. And I think it's uncanny at the knowingness that we have, even at that age, about what we might be hardwired to do. Yeah, it is amazing. There is a constant theme, it seems, amongst the guests here that they they have some calling that, you know, they don't know. It's directional. It's not like, you know, I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. Well, that obviously didn't work out, <laughs> but that was pretty specific. And since there's only, you know, 32 starting quarterbacks and probably less when I grew up. But anyhow, uh, but yeah, there seems to be a common theme that they, they're pulled in a direction. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah phenomenal. Uh, yeah. So you went to UNC Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, Charlotte. Um, and you became a business major. Any reason uh, to pick a business major? Well, my brother had majored in agriculture, of course. Uh, that was a <laughs> an obvious connection for him at North Carolina State. And I'm kind of known as the person who goes in the opposite direction within my family. I don't know what that's about. I haven't had time to psychoanalyze all that yet, but... Uh, <laughs> I just knew I wanted to run a business, even in helping run the farm. I enjoyed that. Like I got it. You know, I understood the financial aspect. I understood operations, even at that younger age. And so I did some assessments uh, at my career counseling office and all of those pointed to business. So it was really the combination of those things that led me into a business major. Interesting. So, um, yeah, and I'm going to say you were a, a very good student. Would that be accurate? I was a great student in elementary school. Uh, you know, I have the achiever strength, not the competition strength, if you look through the Gallup lens. So I'm always trying to be my personal best at whatever I do. In high school, I was a good student. I was an A-B student, but I spent some time having a little bit of fun, which I think just made me well-rounded, frankly. Uh, in college, yes, academics were very important to me in undergrad and graduate school. Um, I kept my eyes on the prize of uh, the GPA, but also balanced it with things like, you know, being in student government, ultimately being the president, of student government and also for American Marketing Association. I was the president in college. So I held some leadership roles while also towing that line of trying to get good grades. Yeah, that was my motto in college. My uh, strategy was uh, do very well GPA wise and have a lot of fun. And I achieved both of those goals. But I was w definitely one that a lot of my friends goes, oh, you know, I can't, I don't want to, you know, I want to stay in college. And I was like, 
no, four years, I'm out. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next step <laughs> of my career. So. I'm with you. So uh, your first job out of college, uh, what was it? And how did you um, get hired for that company? I went to work for the world's second largest document technology company at that time. A lot of people haven't heard of it. It's not a household name. It was known as UARCO, Document Technology, and I had you still offers. You can't say Xerox, um, right? You can't. You're, you're... That's typically what you think when you say document technology. Uh, you know, I had some offers from a couple of pharma companies and then another document technology company that was their competitor, interestingly. And I chose this particular organization because when they unveiled their career path and some of the potential that was associated with their talent development program. And they were really known as the top company in the industry for their training and development. Um, that's what caused me to uh, go in their direction. And I was in sales and I, I have uh, frequently been known to encourage my kids to look at sales as an opportunity because I think it helps you develop so many important skills in life. You know, you learn great communication, you learn uh, relationship development, goal setting, achievement. So there are a lot of things wrapped up into that role that really created a great stage setting opportunity for me and parlayed well into later positions. So it seems uh, right from college into your first professional job, I mean, you had this kind of learning and you want to be in the learning and development space. Where, where did that come about? At the document technology company, I mentioned they were known for their training and development uh, department. Often they were seen as having some of the best practices uh, within the industry. And I was invited to come into that uh, team after being in sales for about 13 months. And that was common. They would look for high achieving salespeople and they would bring them in. What was interesting is when I moved from Charlotte to Chicago to be on that team, I learned that as I had gone through basic sales training and we had three rungs on the ladder uh, for the, the core training and development for our sales reps, I learned that I had been rated in the lower quartile in terms of expectancy for success. And so I think it's a good example of initial impressions don't always matter. You know, you better take the time to get to know the person. And I guess through results, I proved to them that I could achieve 100 plus percent in quota and 450 percent new business uh, quota. So that's that's how I was invited into that group. Yeah, yeah, so um, and I loved it. I yeah. loved it. Love is a strong word, but <laughs> yeah, no, I knew wonderful. that was my calling, Jeff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's, I just want to ask you one. Uh, so you and I are in the same uh, kind of generation. Uh, you're a little bit younger than me. But so what was it like? I mean, you're in the you know, mid to late 80s, uh, probably as a sales rep, as a female, Anything mm -hmm. looking back at it, you know, did you experience any gender bias or being treated, you know, um, unfairly or what were some of your experiences there? 
That's a great question. I've been asked that a few times. And I would have to say, no, I didn't. I don't know why. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, you're, you, they, people were probably intimidated by you. That's why they didn't want to mess with you. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I would say it was a male-dominated company. And actually, they were working hard to recruit uh, strong female talent. And so maybe that worked to my advantage. And uh, how long was your run at that company? Uh, it was about seven years. And then I decided to go back to graduate school. My executive vice president of HR, he was my mentor at that company. Um, because remember, from the materials I provided, I was put on a fast track. Uh, I was considered a hypo. And so after three years in sales training and development, I had to take another role, right? I had gone through all the steps within that team and that organization. And so I, that's how I got to Kansas City is I came here to help manage a sales office. And um, yeah, so that's that was the, the stint at that organization. And I thought I have to return to my first love. I was sitting in a restaurant in Mission, Kansas, and I thought, okay, it's time to create my exit strategy. The first person I called was Larry Dilly, that executive VP of HR, said, Larry, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? I expected him to sell me on staying at the organization, and he didn't. He said, let's talk to Ann. Ann was his wife. She had helped Bill Wigendorf which at that time, Motorola U was the premier training and development arm for Motorola. I believe University of Excellence at Sprint used a lot of the Motorola U yep. Um, yep. methodologies. And so uh, Ann, Larry, and I had a meeting and we decided I would go back to graduate school and do contract work during that point and then start my own business, which I did in 1994. So it's been about 28 and a half years that I've had this run with Performance Point. Wow, phenomenal. And what a great person, uh, Larry, you know, in terms of being a, a true mentor and a true leader, mm -hmm. because I think people that are not really good leaders, they would try to convince you to stay mm -hmm. because it's they're selfish about it. They want to keep a high performer at the company or working for them or whatever it is. But he was a true mentor and leader to help you go to your mm -hmm. next phase because he knew it was best for Teresa, not best for the company. Right. And it's for that reason we continued to stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you get your MBA and I, uh, it's a master's in adult education. Is that correct? It was a master's of science in adult education and training. And so I, I had the luxury within that program of picking my area of concentration for my projects. And because of that, I chose to focus on in all of my research and work on individual and organizational change. Right, which became the foundation of your coaching business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, phenomenal. Right. So again, exactly. that theme, you know, that you knew you had to go in that direction. So that that's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so what, what was it like, you know, going to school full time, uh, or uh, did you go uh, full time? Full time, mm -hmm. yeah. So and do some contract yes. work. So what's what was that like? Were you gaining some business while you were in school? What? 
I was. I did a lot of networking, uh, not shocking, and make connections within what at that time was the American Society for Training and Development. Um, it, it has a different title today, but there were other organizations where I made strong connections. I did a lot of contract work for Paget Thompson, which eventually became American Management Association. I was in a hotel presenter. I did custom work, custom instructional design because I'd done a lot of that at the document technology company. And then I ended up delivering and facilitating that for clients. There was another boutique organization here in town that I did some work for. And toward the end of my um, graduate program, I started doing some work for Wright Management Consultants, which is the world's largest uh, career transition, career strategy, and leadership development organization. Had a long run with them as a client, which was nice. That's how you made all the Sprint now T-Mobile contacts because, you know, I worked at Sprint for about 10 years and it seemed like every six months we had a reduction in force where people all went to right management or Lee Hack Harrison <laughs> to get uh, their uh, career training uh, as part of their severance package. Right. And that was one of the clients that I worked with. So I did make a lot of connections at large corporations. And it was interesting how a lot of those executives and leaders that I worked with, you know, they didn't want to return to corporate life. Some did, like you. Many chose to open their dream drawer and take out an entrepreneurial dream that they turned into a concept. And then I helped them take that through the program you mentioned earlier, which is the Kaufman Fast Track program. So I ran that entrepreneurial program at Right Management for a while, in addition to focusing on career strategy and leadership development work. Yeah, how did you get involved with the Kaufman Fast Track program? At Right Management, there was a huge influx of leaders coming in right after 9-11 given the business downturn. And it was really just what I described. A lot of them said, I'm not going back to the corporate world. You know, I thought that's how I control my career and my destiny. And what I've learned after 20, 25 years is I, I want to start my own business. I want to at least kick the tires on exploring my own concept. Yeah. And so that allowed you to do that while working for the, the Kaufman Fast Track program and for right management, right? Because you were you were consulting for them as. as right. And then I had other clients. So I had a, you know, a whole um, group of clients that I worked with simultaneously. And those are two of the most well-known names here in Kansas City. So I mentioned those because there's a degree of familiarity with those. I had other large organizations that I worked with, which is interesting because all of this ultimately came together um, to create the path that I took to be where I am today. But I know we're not ready to go there just yet. So I'll wait for your cue card on yeah, that, Jeff. That's all, well, good. We can get, <laughs> well, so uh, who was your kind of first big corporate client that you landed on your own outside of what you were doing for uh, right management and uh, Kaufman Fast Track? Yeah, I've done work for a lot of organizations. Um, Sprint, I, I landed Sprint on my own. I remember walking into a room of over 200 
professionals, you know, professional development people, talent development and coaches. And then at the end of that week, sitting in a room of 18. So I was selected as an executive assessor because at that time, um, they wanted all of the PCS directors and above to go through a simulated assessment center. And I don't know if you were part of that. I don't believe our paths crossed at that time. I don't remember that. I mean, I I was early, early sprint. I was employee 55 for sprint PCS. So I was there early. And then I was actually part of their first reduction in force when they let go about 2000 people in um, March of uh, 98. Um, If you go back to the University of Excellence, I thought it was a phenomenal program. I learned so much uh with the different aspects and i thought really sprint was a you know just on the leading edge um i didn't know about the motorola u um um connection but yeah i I just thought it was a phenomenal training ground and everything we learned there would you know i still use today so it's we had used a lot of assessment tools at the document technology company that knowledge and that experience was even more fully deepened when I worked with the the U of E uh, in the executive assessment piece. And I did that, gosh, for about three years. And then over time, unfortunately, I'm sure you recall the point at which they decided to start winding down uh, the U of E. It hadn't gone away completely at that point, but I believe most of the simulated assessment centers had stopped at that juncture. Yeah, I remember actually when I was at uh, the corporate mothership of Sprint, not PCS, um, We there was a leadership program that we actually had to stay at the airport Marriott for like two or three nights. And uh, Yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I remember it was phenomenal. I, and I, I don't remember the assessment, but I know it measured what you were like at work and what you were like in your personal life and, you know, the differences. And I still remember that I was basically the same, <laughs> whether I was home or working in terms of, you know, what you, you know, how you experienced or how I experienced personal life versus professional, but I don't know. Right. So we that. call that an authentic leadership brand, Jeff. There you go. You were on it. I was on it. There you go. <laughs> you were then, you are now. This concludes part one of Jeff's interview with Teresa Carey. Be sure to listen to part two as Jeff continues his discussion and Teresa talks more about the assessment tools she uses in her work here on the corporate couch.